We're not even talking about the game, the actual game. When it matters, we're talking about practice. Welcome back to Talking About Practice. I'm your host, Murs. I want to shout out everyone who's been including dialogue in TikTok and IG and social media in general. It's fun to go back and forth with you guys uh, on your guys' takes as well as my takes. I appreciate you guys because it makes this it makes doing this super fun. And I hope that you guys are learning something if, if the, um, I'm putting out information that you're not familiar with. I'm also learning from you guys when you comment under the post. So if you have something to say, this is what sports is all about. Say it. It's all about dialogue. It's all about conversation. It's all about going back and forth. I appreciate y'all. Me and Jay also want to let you guys know that we're going to adjust the show a little bit. We're trying to improve week to week on what works the best. I understand that some of you guys are familiar with me on the Family Mart podcast. It's a little bit more free-flowing, and I want to give you guys that same feel on this show. So we're going to move away from a lot, of the, a lot of the analytics and things that you could look up on ESPN or Bleacher Report and just kind of give you more views on my takes, on me and Jay's takes, or what we feel is the best in the sports world, or what we feel is our best opinion in the sports world moving on to parlay poppy picks of the week only got two picks right again out of like five or six san francisco 49ers versus the arizona cardinals we took the money line and parlayed it with the total unfortunately we lost that because we took the under 43 and they ended up scoring 48 points total also we should have took the spread because the 49ers just blasted the cardinals it wasn't even a contest but if you guys seen the game mexico city had all 49ers fans in the stands. I don't even remember seeing any Cardinals fans. We're thinking Mexico, bro, okay? So next time the 49ers play in Mexico, take them. Over, money line, and the spread. Sacramento Kings versus Memphis Grizzlies. At the time that I told you guys about the pick, there were no picks, uh, no points, no point spread, no odds on the money line, no total. But we told you guys to take the money line and the spread. The Kings covered the money line and the spread. The Kings were, or the Grizzlies were favored to win by three points. The Kings, however, won 113 to 109. So if you sprinkled a little bit on the money line, you were able to recoup some money as well. All right, so let's talk about picks for this week. We're only going to do two. We're trying to move through it. This is going to be a football-heavy podcast today. Monday Night Football, again, we record this the night of the game. So we apologize if you want to use these picks but we just want to see if we're right. The Pittsburgh Steelers visit the Indianapolis Colts at Lucas Oil Stadium. The Colts are favored to win minus two and a half points. The total is 39 and a half. The Colts lost seven straight meetings with the Steelers. Last time they won, Coach Saturday was a player for the Colts. Both teams lost three of their last four games. Playoff implications? Not really. I think the Colts have a 13% chance to make it to playoffs. The Steelers... Two, Jonathan Taylor and Najee Harris both have two touchdowns in the last two games. So I'm assuming that this is going to be a run, a running ass game. The Steelers rank bottom five in rush defense. If I was the Colts, I'd just be pushing through. However, the Steelers are getting Watt back today. So there could be a difference in the defense. I still like the run game, but my pick, Steelers, plus two and a half, under 39 and a half points. I think the score is going to be 21-17. Steelers with the upset. The reason for it, Amanda, my friend Amanda, she's a huge Steelers fan. I also have the Muth. Friar Muth is on my fantasy team. I actually need him to drop like 25 so I can get the highest score, so I can get my 50 bucks back. That's what it's going to be. Running ass game, Steelers take them with the points under 39 and a half. 
Thursday night football, this game's going to mean a little bit more for these two teams. The Buffalo Bills are going to be at Gillette Stadium playing against the New England Patriots. The Bills are favored to win by five points. The total is 43 and a half. This is an important game. Okay, the Bills sit fifth in playoffs currently. If they lose, this could drop them significantly. The Patriots are on the bubble at eight, so the Patriots need a win. Uh, the Patriots lost this week, didn't help though, and would need to win this game and hope everyone in the NFC East loses in week 13 because they all won this week. The Dolphins won, the Jets won, the Bills won, the Patriots lost, so they definitely need to beat the Bills on Thursday. If they beat the Bills on Thursday and the Dolphins and the Jets lose next week, the Patriots have a chance, considering that they have another outing with Miami at Gillette Stadium. My pick, Bills win, minus five, take the points. It's going to go over 27-19 is the final score. Von Miller is out. We'll give some room for the pass to score, so that's why I got them scoring 19 points. Of The Bills also elevated Xavier Rhodes at the corner, and John Brown is back in the wide receiver mix. So Isaiah McKenzie actually had a good-ass game this past game that they played. So John Brown should be a considerable help. That's why I think the Bills are still going to win. So 27-19, book it. Bills minus five. Some notable updates from this past weekend. Raiders once again win in overtime against the Seahawks. Jacobs with a walk-off rushing touchdown for 86 yards. Jacobs will be a free agent next year. Raiders need to pick him up. That's all they got pretty much. Okay, Carr's not doing it. The rest of the offense ain't doing it. The defense definitely ain't doing it. Josh Jacobs is doing it. So make sure you guys, I'm saying you guys because I don't fuck with y'all like that. So y'all better, uh, might have to bleep my bad. <laughs> pick up Jacobs, man. If y'all if y'all try to have a chance, pick up Jacobs next year. There was another interesting game. Jay, I don't know if you've seen it. Uh, Jets versus the Bears. The Jets won 31-10, but it was an odd game because none of their starters were starting. They're starting QBs. Justin Fields are out on an injury. So Trevor Simeon replaced them. Zach Wilson was benched by Coach Sala, so Mike White replaced him. And this was uh, Mike White's best game ever in his career. This dude looked like the truth out there, especially with Zach Wilson like not being accountable for his actions and not playing well. It seems like the locker room is not really messing, messing with, with Zach Wilson. And watching the game and seeing, how, seeing some of the highlights of the players' reactions to Mike White, it seems like they like Mike White a lot more than Zach Wilson. You know, for solid a bench, Zach Wilson shows a lot because I get it. He's like the guy they drafted. You know, that's who they wanted to lead the team. But he he doesn't take accountability for himself. Like I was watching his press conference and he was blaming the wind. Uh, he was blaming the other team. But he never he never blamed himself. Sometimes it's better to go with a fresh and a hungrier QB. And a lot of times it's how you approach the game. Uh, Mike White has, he seems like he has the relationship with his teammates. Like I said before, he displays leadership qualities and, you know, again, it's all about accountability. And if you have a leader like that behind center, you tend to do good things. Okay. Whether he's an elite QB or not, if you can, if you can notch those three things, the relationship with your, with your receivers, with your offensive line, with your teammates in general, leadership qualities and taking accountability, accountability, good things can happen. Another amazing game, and I'm not just saying it because it's the 49ers, but the 49ers did shut out the Saints 13-0. The Seahawks, the Rams, and the Cardinals took a loss as well. So with the Niners taking the only win in the NFC West, that propels us and locks us in that first place spot. So we just got to hold it down. We should finish as champs in the division.
Right now, we're third in the NFC, and we do have the potential of locking in a bye game if we win the rest of our games and the Eagles and Vikings lose a few games, which it's highly unlikely, but it's there. And I feel like the way that the 49ers are rolling, they could mess around and win the rest of the, the rest of the season. And let's talk about the defense with the 49ers. Coach Demeco is doing a damn thing. Very enthusiastic defensive coordinator. Uh, he's infectious. His team is buying around his philosophies. Just to give you guys a crazy stat, the 49ers defense allowed zero points in the second half of each of the last four games. So no team in the last four games have scored in the second half. Kamara almost got a, a goal line touchdown, but we hit the ball out of his hands. We got the fumble recovery. No touchdown. The last four times the Saints been shut out was due to the 49ers. They rank first in these six statistical defensive categories, points per game, yards per game, rushing yards per game, yards per rush, first downs per game, and passing touchdowns. Let's see, who do we have left? We have the Dolphins this week, which should be a pretty, a pretty tough game for us. Uh, it is a home game, and the reason why I'm saying tough is there's a little bit of blood in that game. The Dolphins' head coach is Mike McDaniels. We're going to get into that a little bit later. Former 49er offensive coordinator, awesome guy, great head coach in my opinion. Also, their running backs, Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert. Raheem Mostert has a little bit on his mind about the 49ers. He was talking a little bit of shit, basically didn't like how we handle his injury and, and how he wasn't getting enough PT. Well, we had a lot of running backs that could run, so we didn't need to. However, he has been talking a little bit a little bit of mess. I don't know if you've seen it, Jay, but I think Debo and Raheem were going back and forth on Twitter. I didn't get a chance to look at it because I was writing the show. Moser was saying something about he finally has a QB that could sling the ball. That's what he yeah, was saying. Yeah, i seen that. And, I mean, you got two on your fantasy team, so what do you think? Would you take two or would you take Jimmy G? Uh, to start for fantasy, I'm taking Tua, but the thing is because Tua has such an imbalanced passing game versus the ba- the Niners are so balanced on the passing and rushing game. True, true, true. Let's take a look actually at what the line is. Maybe we could do like a live, a live line real quick here. Okay, it's a home game, and the 49ers right now are favored to win by only three and a half points. It show it, it shows a lot, and also when you got McDaniel's, who's a former coach under Shanahan, which we're going to get into later, he's probably going to know how to coach against this team. I'd like the 49ers to win this at home. Uh, I think they have way more offensive weapons uh, and a better defense. It's going to be a close game. I would I would take the Dolphins plus three and a half to play safe. This might come down to like a field goal at the end. Yeah, it might. Like two point. It might be a two point game. Two point win. This is making me nervous. I'm scared, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm scared. Yo. And then the Buccaneers... Uh, that should be a dub, but that's also going to be a tough game. Good thing it's a home game. And then we 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 travel to to Seattle. We should get that W. Uh, and then we play the Commanders. They come over to, to, to Santa Clara. We play the Commanders. We're definitely going to beat the Raiders in Vegas. I'm trying to sneak into that game. And then we close out with a home game against the Cardinals, which we should win that game as well. Speaking of Shanahan, I want to get into his coaching tree. Who is Kyle Shanahan? Who is Coach Shanahan? Well, for one, he's the head coach for the 49ers. He was picked up in 2017, formerly the offensive coordinator for the Falcons. A lot of controversy with him because he was up 28-3 to against the Patriots in the Super Bowl. 
instead of maybe slowing down the clock and using the run, I guess he was more pass heavy. And the Patriots came back and won the Super Bowl. Uh, as soon as the loss happened, though, he was he was signed by the 49ers to be their head coach. He has a lengthy coaching background. First off, his dad is legend Mike Shanahan, who is a three-time Super Bowl champion, once with the Niners and twice with the Broncos as a head coach. Kyle was also an assistant under his dad, Mike Shanahan. His coaching tree is what I really want to talk about in this case, not much Coach Shanahan. I want to talk about his coaching tree Two specific coaches that coached underneath him in San Francisco, Robert Sala, who is now the head coach for the New York Jets. He was a defensive coordinator for the Niners in 2017 and 2020. And Mike McDaniel, head coach for the Miami Dolphins. They're currently eight and three. Uh, He was the run game coordinator for the Niners in 2017 to 2020 before he got bumped up as the OC for the Niners in 2021. Um, Other coaches that worked under Shanahan, Basically, as assistants to an assistant is Sean McVay and the LaFleur brothers. And and Sean McVay is now the head coach for the Los Angeles Rams. Matt LaFleur is the head coach for the Green Bay Packers. Shanahan has a a nice little coaching tree. uh, But these two, uh, especially McDaniel, is who I like the most uh, out of the two. Uh, Again, he's leading the Dolphins to an 8-3 record right now. He's bringing a new atmosphere to the Dolphins. I'm not sure if you've seen any press conferences or speeches in the locker room. One, this dude doesn't look like he played football or a snap period in his life. Super small dude, wears glasses, looks nerdy, uh, has a really quirky attitude. But that's what works. And players like him because he's authentic. He's different. He's a Yale graduate. He's somebody that looks at analytics and probably will flip it on his ass and then is like, yo, this is how we're going to actually uh, attack the corners or this is how we're going to attack the attack the defensive line. Like he's very precise um, and he's different and he takes chances. Also, he's a great speaker. He knows how to speak to his players. Uh, he tells his players he loves them. There's tons of positive reinforcements um, when he's talking to his team. Does a great job developing his players because at the end of the day, one thing to one thing about leadership and being a head coach is what can you do to develop your players off season and during the season. A lot of times when players do a bad job, coaches just start yelling at them, they start bitching at them. That doesn't work a lot of times and that's how you can create conflict especially in the NFL when you got players that have a lot of ego sometimes or they're getting paid a lot of money. They don't want to sit there and listen to you bitch at them. So you kind of have to coach them in a specific way. And that's what Mike McDaniel does. He understands how to coach players with technique, sometimes untraditional. But again, he's an authentic coach and I like him. And I think he can do well for the Miami Dolphins. The other coach that coached for Shanahan was his former defensive coordinator, Robert Sala, currently leading the Jets to a 7-3 and record. Uh, again, like McDaniel, Sala knows how to capture the players. He knows how to make them buy in to his philosophies. He's very enthusiastic on the field. He celebrates. You'll see him. I remember when he was on the 49ers, if we got an interception, the camera always panned to Sala because this dude is like running around, jumping on people's backs and celebrating. Sometimes you need that as a coach. You don't have to always be like Bill Belichick and just sit there like, yeah, I've, been, I've done this before. Get excited. If I play with a coach that got excited, I'm, I'm going to be hyped. I'm going to want to play for him even more. There's something important about the assistant coach, head coach relationship that I want to get into. 
uh, as an assistant coach, one of the things that I wanted to do for for the head coach that I was uh, coaching under, I wanted to make it easier for him to coach the game. So I took care of a lot of things that he didn't have to worry about anymore. Uh, and eventually I started realizing, I started becoming him more so because of the way that he did things. Uh, and with that, because I understood how he coached, I was better able to prepare him and prepare our team before games. And I think that was one of the things that made us so successful uh, as basketball coaches, especially coaching women's high school women's basketball, was the fact that we were able to capture the players to buy into our system. They loved us. We loved them. Uh, we coached them hard. We loved them hard. And we were able to develop them in each part of their game, whether uh, it was on the court or off the court. So we were able to do that. And I learned that from him. But one thing as an assistant that I learned is you kind of become the good, the good coach. So they come to you to figure out what they're doing wrong, et cetera. Uh, one thing about the coach that I coach for, uh, his name is Chad Kapanui, by the way, He's arguably one of the best women's basketball coaches in the state of Nevada. Shouts to Karen Whites, who's won 12 state titles with Centennial High School. But Coach Kapanui was definitely one of the top coaches, arguably one of the best because of how he can connect to his players. Um, and they bought into that. When that happens, I think with, with Coach Sala and McDaniel working under Kyle Canahan, uh, Shanahan, I think they were able to uh, create this camaraderie where Coach Shanahan also didn't want to keep them, you know, working under him forever. So you could see these two coaches were working for him three years max before they got a head coaching job. And same with Coach Demeco right now, who's the DC for the 49ers. We don't plan to see him on our on our bench for for much longer. He's probably going to get a head coaching job pretty soon. But if you look at how they coach, they coach very similar to, to Shanahan. Shanahan knows how to grab the player's attention. He knows how to get the player's respect. Even the way that he talks, all three of these coaches are great speakers. They know how to make the players pay attention in the huddle. Uh, they know how to buy, again, buy in. I'm saying the same things over and over again because this is what makes great coaches. And I think Coach Shanahan needs to get a little bit more consideration in that fact because of the coaches under him that are now head coaches. Uh, one of them has a Super Bowl ring, uh, who's about the same age as me, Sean McVay. And uh, these two coaches, Sala and McDaniel, I wouldn't be surprised to see them either competing uh, at a high level in, in, in conference championships or even the Super Bowl into the future. There was a little bit of controversy this past weekend on the Commanders, which they're usually the topic of discussion. But for this time, it was for a former player who unfortunately passed away 15 years ago. Sean Taylor, if some of you remember, he actually played for the Washington Redskins at the time they were called the Redskins. Uh, and he was a, a defensive player. Amazing, amazing athlete. And I think he, he was murdered, uh, again, 15 years ago in his home in Miami during a robbery. And uh, his career was cut short. And we don't know what he could have been, but we knew what he was. And he worked hard. He was hungry. Uh, he, he was a menace on the field. Uh, I would hate to, to be up against someone like Sean Taylor. However, with all that I'm saying about this guy, the commanders had an unveiling of their statue commemorating Sean Taylor. And when they pulled the veil off and showed the world 
the statue. I was a bit appalled. I actually kind of laughed at it because when I first seen it, I, there was no audio on Twitter when I when I first seen it. So I thought they were dropping new jerseys. And then I seen Sean Taylor's number and then I looked down and I seen soccer cleats and I'm like, yo, is this a is this a memorial thing for Sean Taylor? It was the statue. This is the statue they pulled up. It was essentially a wire mannequin wearing Sean Taylor's uniform with the with, with the gloves that he doesn't you know, Velcro up and then soccer shoes, some Copa Mundial's that which he normally wears soccer, soccer cleats when he plays football because they're lighter than football cleats. But I mean, what's up with the unveiling, bro? Like I could have been the marketing coordinator and, and created something way better than what they did. Like Washington, like they, they looked at it and were like, look, we already took down our racist owner's memorial, George Preston Marshall. What more do you want us to do? If you're unaware of who that is, do your Googles. But he was the Washington Redskins owner, longtime owner, their first owner. And he was against integration. He was a super racist, right? Like if Washington was forced to take down their owner's memorial, is Dallas finally getting rid of Jerry Jones? Like, but honestly... Jerry Jones would probably have gotten a real statue of Sean Taylor, right? If Jones can observe what was going on with his racist mob in 1957, there's like this new picture of Jerry Jones uh, uh, during segregation. They wouldn't let these black kids enroll in their school. And he's there blocking the doors. But if he can observe what was going on there, I'm sure he can observe what the commanders did with Sean Taylor's unveiling. And it's blasphemous, right? Like Dan Snyder, the owner of the of the Washington Commanders, should link up with Jerry Jones. Maybe if they put their two minds together, they can make a full bronze statue of Sean Taylor. If anything, Jerry Jones should know a lot about Sean Taylor since Sean T recorded 24 solo tackles in just six games against the Cowboys before his career was cut short. <laughs> it's not even my team, and I feel bad, yo. Like th- that shouldn't happen. They should have done a way better unveiling. Twitter was going off. Uh, on the commanders and one of my favorite tweets that i saw justin walters from cbs sports said this is peak doing your assignment the day before it's due just sat and that's exactly what it looked like listen if the arizona cardinals can get it right and make a bronze statue of the late pat tillman washington can too and let's not get into the into the debate that i can't compare them because one of them served in the military but i can tell you this Both were killed by American shooters. But that's another conversation we still might not be ready to pull the trigger on. Uh, But Washington, I'm giving y'all 365 days to get a better statue up. Make a bronze statue, sterling silver. I don't care what it is. Show this man some love. He's a legend on your guys' franchise. You guys need to make sure that he gets his flowers the right way. Okay. On a positive note, his family liked it. His daughter, Jackie Taylor, also launched the Sean Taylor Legacy Project with limited edition merch, and all the proceeds will benefit gun violence prevention initiatives. Washington, do better. Do better. So I did say that this whole episode is going to be about football. Well, it is. We're going to close it out with some football. Okay? Just nothing crazy. Nothing crazy. There's a lot going on in the World Cup, but I do want to just bring this up. It happened last week. Saudi Arabia came from behind and beat Argentina 2-1 in the Group C stage. It was the first loss in 36 matches for Argentina, but that's not the that's not the great thing, right? Okay, that's great for legacy, but this is what's fire about it, okay? The Saudi Arabian crown prince 
awarded all the players the Phantom 2 Series Rolls Royce, which is valued at stock value $460,000 per car. Okay, the, the Crown Prince, and he's 37, he's only two years older than I am, was like, man, we beat Argentina. We're probably not going to get the World Cup. Here's your participation trophy. And the participation trophy is a Rolls Royce. Can we say that's the same concept here, right? He got a medal. Yeah, this is a part. But I would take this participation trophy. Like, you know, when they call you up in high school and you got like the part, like you participate in varsity sports and you go get your your certificate. No one really wants to pick it up, but they go anyway. Right. I'm going. I'm going and I'm going to dress up in a nice suit. Okay, because it was a big win for Saudi Arabia. And actually, there's a chance here because Group C stage is kind of all jacked up because of that. That loss that Argentina took. Uh, Saudi Arabia plays Mexico Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. This is actually their uh, last game in the group stage. But check this out. This is what happens. This is what needs to happen in order for Argentina to, to, to make it out the group stage. If Argentina draws, they need to hope that Saudi Arabia doesn't beat Mexico and go to six points. If Mexico goes on to beat Saudi Arabia, then they'll reach four points. And it's a two-way tie on four points and it'll be settled based on goal difference. So right now, Poland is leading with four points. Argentina has three, Saudi Arabia has three and Mexico has one. Okay. If you're unfamiliar with how this works in group stage, when you win, you earn points. When you lose, you don't get points. When you tie, you both teams earn points. Essentially, there is a possibility for a two-way tie on four points that will be settled on a goal difference. Okay, to get out of group stage because they take the top two teams. Argentina will have a better goal difference than Saudi Arabia and Mexico, but things can change this week. If Argentina and either Mexico or Saudi Arabia are tied on points and the goal difference, then the number of goals scored will come into play. So not only do these teams have to win this week, they have to score the most goals. So you might see a team just get ignorant on the field and if they're up 2-0 with like a whole half left, they're probably going to try to go win it by five points, by six points, by seven points, because they need it just in case there's a tie. So the Group C stage this week is going to be interesting. And I think that if you're even if you're not a fan of soccer, just watch these games, okay? Argentina plays Poland on Thursday, and Mexico plays Saudi Arabia on Wednesday. Make sure you catch those games. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. If Saudi Arabia does make it out of group stage, shit, they, the, I don't know what the prince is going to give them. He might, who knows? I mean, there's a Rolls Royce. What else can you get? Some, they might get mansions after this. So, But when you got money like that and you're one of the richest people in the world, you could do whatever you want. Okay, so entice your players. Give them as many participation trophies as you can. And man, let's see what happens. But I'm going for Mexico, Team Mexico. Thanks for listening to talking about practice i appreciate you guys i'll see you guys next week